Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. <laughs> Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, however, we want to talk a little bit about your psychological freedom. You've heard me many times talk about what I call living a life of quiet desperation. Well, I read an article... Um, by Noelle Bloom, where she talks about uh, 10 signs that you're living on autopilot. And the basic premise of the article to start with is that 35,000 decisions each day, according to scientists. And the idea is if we had to make 35,000 decisions consciously each day, we just would, couldn't do it. We wouldn't exist. We'd be blown out. And I guess the way you think about it is like the first time you drove a car. You're driving a car, you've got to concentrate on everything, the brakes, the gas pedal, the view around you, you know, what's been going on in the street. And after you've driven for several years, you, you just drive on autopilot. I mean, all those things, you're looking, you're taking eye shots in all directions without even realizing you're doing it, surveying what's going on around you. But at the same time, you can be listening to the radio or talking on the phone, and, and you can do all this stuff at the same time because you've just sent to your subconscious mind these decisions, these thousands of decisions you make getting your car from one place to another. And they bring up an example, something like, have you ever driven home from work or someplace else, got home, got out of the car, and just stopped for a second, how did I get here? You didn't think about it at all. You didn't think about where you're at. You didn't think about how to get there. You didn't think about which way to go. You just, it all was subconscious. And When you think about that for a second, it's really kind of scary because what they're saying here is that of those 35,000 decisions we make a day, a larger and larger percentage of them each and every day becomes subconscious. And we get into this daze, so to speak, and our brain starts wandering. So I was driving home one day, a few days back, a month back, something like that, and I was talking to somebody on the phone. So, my, uh, you know, my auto direct was handling getting home. But recently they had rebuilt the freeway where I lived to where there was a new exit that I could get off right at the street that I, I live on, as opposed to driving, uh, you know, getting off before it and then driving down the feeder for a while. And because I was talking on the phone, I was all involved in what I was talking about on the phone. I missed the turn. And I looked up and I had no idea where I was at. It just didn't make any sense. Where am I? It doesn't look familiar at all. How did I get there? And then it hit me. I hadn't been paying attention to driving at all. I was somewhere in a different world. And they're talking about this, that they're saying 47% of the decisions we make in a day, on average, we don't even think about. They're subconscious. And... What they're saying is, as you go on and get into a mm, routine, get into a lull in life, 
a larger and larger percentage of those things you do, you do every day, automatically. Which also means that fewer and fewer things that you do are by your direct response, that you actually decided to do them. So you get up and eat the same food every day, you get in the same car, drive to the same place every day, you go to work and do the same job every day, you meet with the same people, go to lunch, same lunch place every week, maybe two or three choices, but pretty much the same. You go back to work, do your thing, get off the same time of day, drive home, sit in traffic, listen to your favorite radio station, and boom, you're home. It's over. The day is just ablaze. It's just gone. And one day turns into a second day, turns into a third day, turns into a week. The weekend is consumed, obliterated, and back to it again. And one day you wake up, and this is where I say you wake up one day and realize you're living a life of quiet desperation. You're not getting anywhere. Nothing in your life is getting better. You know, when you went to school when you were a kid, you, 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 know, you were afraid to go to kindergarten, but you went. When you were done, it was great. When you went on to grade school, you were afraid to go to that, but you did it. You concentrated. It was different. You had to learn and grow. Same thing with junior high and then high school, maybe even college. But you had goals. Hey, I'm getting out of this in four years. I'm getting out of this next thing in four years. I've got something to accomplish. I'm going to get this degree and that degree. And when the mind is focused on results like that, the article is talking about people just a lot happier. You're a lot happier when you have goal result oriented life as opposed to just living a life of wandering generalities where your mind is all over the place now they came up with 10 reasons or I'm sorry 10 ways that you can tell that you're uh, starting to live your life on autopilot and that you've really given over control to your life and your destiny uh, and you know, these are not my ideas, they're their ideas, but when I read them, I was pretty comfortable with most of them, uh, which means that uh, I thought you'd probably want to hear them. Because, again, it's pretty much what I've been telling you that I believe to be true all along. But someone took the time to just write it down, give us some thought into how you can identify if you're falling into this life of quiet desperation, um, of autopilot living. And it starts out, it says, number one, you dread the day ahead. The second one they talk about is your daily routine is predictable. Man, I thought about this myself. Even my daily routine is predictable. Number three is you do things without thinking. You take action without stopping to think about what you're doing, how you're doing it, or why you're doing it. Your decisions and actions have become so automatic it takes little to no thought at all. Uh, number four, you can't seem to put your phone down. Boy, golly. Talk about brainless people who just sit and play on their phone constantly. And what's funny is I'm seeing old people pick up those phones, and they're doing the same thing. I mean, it's not just the kids are doing it now. I mean, we all catch ourselves doing it. I, I catch myself doing it, too. Number five, you stay deep in thought. You constantly catch yourself deep in thought, thinking about things that aren't currently happening when you're doing something else. Basically, you're mentally checked out in la-la land. Number six, you have a difficult time remembering. You're not fully present in the moment and don't remember doing activities like driving, eating, and having that conversation you should have remembered. 
let's just say that you can easily forget the little things and feel mentally mush at times. I think that I find myself in this mode. The reason I've always thought that I found myself in this mode was for a different reason, though, and that is my brain doesn't like to hook on to minute details. My brain likes to categorize things and say, okay, put that over here in this box, and when we need it, we'll come open the box and look for it again. My brain wants to be thinking about the big picture at all times. So what happens is people are saying stuff to me, and it's going in, but it's not really going in. It's going in one ear out the other. I'm not remembering it. So constantly I have to be looking back at calendars, go, when are we doing that? What day does that occur? Who am I doing that with? Uh, it's, you know, it's a joke. I let people put stuff on my calendar. It didn't do me any good because I wouldn't look at my calendar. You know, because I wouldn't put it on my calendar, so they just started putting it on my calendar, but then I didn't look at my calendar. Again, here we are living in this spaced out world where we're just not really paying attention to what's going on. And like I said, I rationalized it to myself that it was just simply something that I'm, I'm not interested in the details. Let other people deal with the details. I'll just deal with the big picture items. But the truth of the matter is, it's just my brain turning off. It's my, way of brain, my brain's way of saying, I don't care. I'm not interested in what's going on. So I'm just turning off. Number seven, you can't seem to let go. You do, what, you do what's familiar even though you know it's not serving you anymore. For example, you keep the same unmotivated and unambitious people around you. You stay in the same career. Hold on to things that you've outgrown. Live in the same old place and do things that don't inspire you because you're used to it. Boy, that is the life of quiet desperation, is it not? You're just giving up. And, you know, they're equating this to being a psychological brain challenge. I'm equated it, although I like their categories and I like the things they're saying, I really don't equate it as a psychological brain challenge. Like, they're, they're talking science here. I'm talking life, quality of life. What do you have in your life? that's worth getting out of bed for. That's worth doing. We had a college across the street, community college across the street from our office, asked us to send somebody over to speak. And uh, we sent Curtis Haynes over there. And Curtis did a class for these kids. These kids had never met a millionaire, or really a multi-millionaire. And to hear his philosophies compared to the philosophies they've been taught by their teachers and their parents and so forth, was mind-boggling to these kids. It just, you know, it's like the, the average person lives from some point in their life on a life of quiet desperation. You come out of college, and what do you say to yourself? Okay, I'm out of college, now what? I'm going to get a job. I'm going to work for the next 30, 40 years of my life. Hopefully I have enough money I can retire. If I don't, I'll just work till 70 or 80 because that's the only choice I have. By the way, maybe I should get married and have kids in between there. Whatever else I need to do that's your, your normal life. And that's it. That's your life. I mean, it sounds so boring. You know, it's just living that life of quiet desperation. You hold on to things. I've got clothes. And I, it's, I joke about this all the time in the seminar. i got clothes that are 20 and 30 years old. I pulled a pair of pants out the other day because I needed a, a, a black pair of pants for my coat. And I put on this pair of pants, and these were like, they were a baggy, and they were pleated. And I looked at them and go, 
Not only do these not fit anymore, who would wear this? This is so out of fashion. And yet I'm still holding on to all this stuff in my life. So the other day I let some people come in, with some landscaping people. I said, I got all this stuff here that I don't need, no want. Why don't you guys just take it? And they pulled up a trailer, literally pulled up a trailer, and took 2,000 pounds of stuff I didn't want. Just said, take it. It's just holding me back, which reminded me of a theory. You don't own stuff. Stuff owns you because you got to take care of it and maintain it. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. You're listening to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Del will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. Right now, we're coming upon a great opportunity. It's that time in which you're going to find that the marketplace is changing and it is shifting to a buyer's market away from a seller's market. Number one, the brokers don't want you to know that. They're going to do everything they can do to keep you from believing the truth. Number two, the sellers don't want to believe it, although in the back of their minds they know it. Now that doesn't mean everybody will crater for you, but some people are going to be in those situations where they have to negotiate for deals. And you've got to be there. Now, if you're not there, you won't get one. Join us for the free online workshop and we'll show you how to be in the right place at the right time in any market cycle. Register at LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. That's LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today I've been going through an article. Uh, it's written by Noel Bloom, and it's called 10 Signs You're Living on Autopilot, which to me, um, they're talking about it as psychologically that your brain has just taken over and you're in a daze, you're not really living life. And to me, the, the questions and the, uh, the 10 reasons they pointed out seem to me to prove that you're living a life of quiet desperation. So, so we're down to number eight right now, which is you're not making meaningful progress. You make little to no meaningful progress towards your goals as days, weeks, and months seem to fly by. You're not focused on what's most important in your life and you feel down because of it. So how much weight have you lost? How many inches have you lost? How much longer can you run? How much healthier do you feel? None of those things, okay. Uh, how much better is your relationship with your spouse, with your kids? And if you can look back for a whole year and go, man, I haven't really, not, I'm not any richer. I'm not any closer to retirement. I, I don't seem like I'm making that much money. I don't feel like I, I'm really where I should be. Then guys, you're living a life of quiet desperation and you need to think about getting out of it. The next one they say is, you say yes more than you say no. Meaning you often agree to things that you don't want to do, then dread the decision afterwards. Instead of carefully considering your options, you've made yes your default answer. For example, you say yes to working late. You say yes to hosting a family gathering, watching the kids, or going to a party when you'd rather just stay home. This was one of the one of the first ones I found in my life is that 
I was allowing people outside of me to make decisions for me, to control and manipulate. And the word control and manipulate may seem mean uh, and unfair, like you think you're just trying to please all of your friends, you're trying to please all your relatives, but really you're not taking into account what's the best for you and what's best for what you need to have happen in your life. And so you just let other people say, let's go here, let's do this, et cetera, et cetera. And it was one of the things that I had to let go of. Now, I find myself in that same mode, though, where a lot of times just to make the other person happy, you just go along. You say, yeah, you want to go do that? We'll do it. Let's go do it. Um, now, I have the ability to do that because I have, I'm financially free. But again, it's just uh, it's one of those things. Like last night, I was a, Melissa got home late. She was shopping for flowers in the backyard and everything. And it was like 8 o'clock at night, and I had sat down to watch the basketball game. And I've really been waiting all day long to watch this game, and I was in sweaty workout gear. I'd already had a drink. And she says, let's go get something to eat. And I'm going, no, you go ahead and get something to eat. I really, I don't want to get up and leave the house right now. She said, well, we can't, we got nothing to eat here. We got to, so okay, go ahead and go. You know, we could have ordered in, we could have had other choices, whatever. But it was just one of those things where I said, you know what? It's just too much. I just, I am not going to go get dressed at 8 o'clock at night. I'm dirty, from sweaty from working out. I'm not going to go to a restaurant looking like I look. And I'm right in the middle of a basketball game I've been waiting all day to watch because it's, I think it's one of the biggest basketball games of the season, which is the um, the Cavaliers beating um, the um, hmm, New Orleans. No, not New Orleans. What am I saying? Uh, Toronto. And I, I, I think those that game is going to decide who's going to end up in the NBA playoffs myself. So I wanted to see it. So, you know, he just said, no, I just don't want to do that. This article saying that when we get to the point where we're saying yes to everybody around us, just letting people talk us into things, we're already in that life of quiet desperation. And that's my paraphrase, not the articles, by the way. Uh, number 10, you know there's a better life to be lived. How many of you, through this little exercise here today, realize that or through months of listening to the radio show, I've come to realize, man, there is a better way out there. Why am I not taking advantage of a better way? It's out there, right? So I paralleled this with an article that someone sent me because I, I did a show the other day about bad consultants, people giving people bad information. And a gentleman sent me this article which says the color of money it's called the color of money this is how it feels to be a millionaire and still feel broke and the genesis of this is that there's a preacher who is telling people how to handle their finances so he's speaking to his congregation well other than the big tv star preachers most preachers are broke and, you know, the big, the big guys, the big name ones, the big TV guys, they're not. They've got lots of money. But other than those people who have people just giving the money, I would never go to a, a pastor for financial information. 
just like I wouldn't go to my financial planner to get religious information. But they're giving it out. So the guy at Seminary Harvard said, look, this, look at all the, the inconsistencies here. And this pastor's belief, believe it or not, is almost akin to Dave Ramsey. Get out of debt is the secret. That's the secret to everything. And, you know, I know Dave Ramsey has had a, has a, his uh, education is ministry-based, so maybe this guy is one of Dave Ramsey's guys. I don't know. Um, but the point is that the guy that sent me the article, you see that the guy's information was just as wrong as everybody else's information out there. And so the long end, the short end of a long story is one of the ladies who was uh, 64 years old and single waited two hours to get to this person and when she got to him she started crying saying I just don't know if I'm going to make it I just lost my job and I don't know what I'm going to do I don't think I have enough money to survive and so the pastor thinking wow what am I going to do to help this lady you know it sounds like she's destitute and he said can I ask you how much money you do have put aside for savings now they then come up with a some facts here I thought were interesting. Survey by GoBankerRate.com found that 42% of Americans have less than $10,000 saved for retirement. So 42% have less than $10,000. And about 14% surveyed have absolutely nothing. They surveyed 3,000 people to get that information. So I thought that was rather interesting that they came up with it. So he said, how much do you have? And she says, I only have about a million dollars. And the pastor's blown away. He's thinking, how could you not survive with a million dollars? Right? And the lady goes, I, just, I don't know. And he's thinking to himself, he says to her, the same jargon that your financial planner give you, you can withdraw 4% a year for 30 years. Supplement that with Social Security. So 4% of a million is $40,000 a year. And supplement that with Social Security. And you can survive. Now, there's two things that are wrong with all of this. Number one, she doesn't have a million dollars because the money's in her 401k and her IRA. So for her to get the million, to get the money out, she's going to have to pay taxes on it. It's taxable income. So when she takes out that 40000 a year, she's going to get taxed on that 40000 a year. All right? So that's part of the thing that's not right. The second part of the thing is, is that with a million dollars, if it had been invested correctly, she could produce anywhere from eighty to $200,000 a year worth of income. But you see how sad that is, that this guy who's giving financial information doesn't even know how to share with this lady that she's a millionaire and with that money, she could easily retire at 64 years of age, if done correctly. But no, he told her she needs to go get another job. So guys, what answer is that? See, these people, no matter who they are, these financial planner, wizards, whatever, that are going around telling people how to handle their money, have no idea how to make money. And they're telling people they have to work the rest of their life. They, they, you know, 70s the new 60, 80s the new 70. Uh, people are working late into their years now. Why? Because the stock market was intended to pr produce results for you that would protect you for 30 years.
that's just not the way it's going to work. You're going to need to work the rest of your life. Now, that's what they're telling these people. And this lady's 64 years old. By gosh, she deserves to retire. She's got a million bucks. She did what was supposed to be done. She saved a million dollars. But she doesn't have anybody can help her figure out how to turn that million into a stream of income. See, the secret here behind all this is not how high you can pile your money, especially if you're piling pre-tax dollars. You know, you got a big high pile of pre-tax dollars, well, just cut it in half because tax is going to eat about half of it up. So she's got the million bucks. She did it in pre-tax dollars, so she really only has five or six hundred thousand. But even the five or six hundred thousand at a ten percent return, which is really the lowest rate of return that I would ever accept in a real estate deal myself, uh, a ten percent rate of return would be sixty thousand a year. Twelve would be eighty thousand, right? Fifteen percent would be nine. 90,000. So it, it, there's no reason. And by the way, that's tax-free income. So that's post-tax income. Unlike earned income where you're getting taxed when it's coming out. When they're saying take that 40,000 out of your financial um, retirement account, you're getting 40 minus they're taking away the taxes. But if you're earning 50 or 60 or 80 in real estate because of depreciation, that income is tax-deferred. How long is it tax deferred to? Till you die, in which case it, you, it completely goes away. Nobody ever pays that tax. The secret is defer, 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 and die. Don't pay, don't pay, don't pay, don't pay, because you don't have to. It's by law. This is nothing illegal. The government has set up a way for us to earn income that is non-taxable and to do it for the rest of our lives. Why not take advantage of it? Why not? Because you don't understand. And as a financial planner, and this was the whole reason the guy sent me the article, as a financial planner, shouldn't you be required to understand if there is a way to help these people retire, should you not know it, even if it's not what you want to teach? Even if you've never done it and you can't do it, shouldn't you know? Hey, with your situation, you need to go see Lifestyles. You need to go find somebody to teach you how to use that money to create income. And that's the irritable part about all this. It's really bad. Uh, next article, last chance here. Last article saying, according to the National Association of Realtors, their economist Lawrence Young, would-be buyers are doing crazy things, making home offers unseen, sight unseen, and overpaying for houses, and not doing inspections. So here I'll read the sentence. According to the National Association of Realtors, Chief Economist Lars Young, would-be buyers are waiving inspections, making offers sight unseen, and offering to pay far over the initial asking price up front. So guess what happened in the bubble in Miami, in Phoenix, where these submarkets, these markets that blew up, is where people started just over bidding each other. And the overbid and overbid and overbid and overbid until they blow that market up on themselves. That's what's happening to these people. They give it some cities. Here's the name of the cities they're saying it's happening in Seattle, Las Vegas, San Jose, Nashville, Salt Lake City, Kansas City. These are the 
the problem cities. And they're saying that this is all acerbated by the fact that because these liberal areas have such stringent standards, ecological standards, building construction standards, that it's almost impossible for a builder to build a home that can be put on the market for less than 250000 bucks. That is the starter home of 2018. And if $250,000 is the starter home, according to this article, people are going to stop buying homes and they're going to continue to rent. And as they continue to rent, their rent's going to go up and become a larger and larger portion of their overall costs. Landlords are going to own the assets. And as the asset values get driven higher and higher, landlords are going to be richer and richer and richer. And the average person who, at least by the time they were retired, had paid off their home and had a chunk of asset with it, is not going to have anything. My friends, this is the first blow on the whistle that some of these markets might blow up in the future. It's almost unsustainable housing conditions. Well, as we go into this, remember always, we're not doing this to put a little more money in our pocket. We're doing this to have an incredible lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. See you tomorrow. the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. Information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.